Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville Telephone Company, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922, offering bundled packages, high-speed internet, and wireless phones. Smithville Telephone, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, and today we're going to talk about downtown Bloomington and particularly uh, some projects that uh, involve economic development in the downtown area. With me in the studio is co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael, and we have three guests with us today. Mick Reneisen is the director of Bloomington the Department of Parks and Recreation. Uh, Monroe County Convention Center Director Talisha Kopik is here, and Bloomington Director of Economic Development Denise Alano is here with us today. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. Or you can uh, join us on the website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. So Mick and Talisha and Denise, thanks for being here with us. Thank yeah, you. Thanks for having us. And Mary Catherine. Hi, Bob. Mary Catherine's a former Parks Board member, so mm-hmm. she's worked a lot with all three of these people, actually. Oh, on many occasions, happily right. so. Right. Okay. Well, we have a couple major issues we want to talk about. Um, things that are moving along. And, and I ought to say as we start off, you know, we, this is – Bloomington is a unique place because we can have a, a program that's, uh, that's sort of um, designed to be about economic development. But what we talk about are amenities, mm-hmm. you know, parks and we talk about the convention center and those are big economic, economic drivers here in our community. So we'll get into that a little bit more. But the first thing we want to talk about is the convention center because uh, that's in the news, been in the news lately and Talisha, you're really involved with this. The convention center um, is uh, – you're, you're seeking to expand the convention center. So why don't you talk a little bit about that expansion and about the bill that's going through the legislature. All right. Well, um, the convention center is a renovation of a 1923 building. Um, we renovated into a meeting facility to help with the whole downtown revitalization 18 years ago. Um, almost immediately when the building opened, groups were coming and we were tight on space. So, uh, And especially when the Courtyard by Marriott opened, um, it just took us into a whole different level of uh, types of events that we were holding. So, um, you know, probably for the last 10 years, we've tried to figure out a way to uh, expand the convention center space. And... Um, it's really we have an opportunity, and um, it's a shame to miss that because we have what um, what it takes to be a successful um, meeting center here in Bloomington. We've got a vibrant downtown. People who come into the community love to go to the restaurants. We have 96 restaurants in the downtown. They're all 10-minute walking distance of the convention center. Our shops, our services, moving into galleries and art, all of those things are what travelers like to experience. Um, hotels, an important component of that and with the courtyard um, being right next to the building is important. The uh, Hilton Garden Inn opened a few years ago and that's helped us get larger groups in. Um, But we also need to have additional hotel rooms and additional meeting space Um, and that's really the third leg of the stool is being able to provide uh, a space for the groups to fit that want to come. 
So that's really what we're trying to do is uh, accommodate uh, existing groups that need to grow um, and then also bring new business to town, um, preferably the Sunday through Thursday type of business. Um, Our weekends are solid. They're strong with all the other activities that we have. But that Sunday through Thursday is when association groups like to meet, education groups like to meet. So we just see that as – as an opportunity that we need to to really fight for. Um, Indiana University has a lot of meeting needs as well that can't be accommodated on campus, so we want to uh, fill that niche as well. Um, And our local corporations, 40% of our business right now is corporate, and um, if Baxter wants to have a a team meeting, they have 600 people, and um, we need to be able to accommodate that. So there are a lot of different needs in the community. Um, right now is our public show season, and um, events such as the home show and bridal show, the Theta Antique show, um, all of those are really tied on space as well. So, so as, as the casual observer drives down South College, mm-hmm. they see the – as you pass 3rd Street, you see the existing convention center uh-huh. um, on your right and, and then the courtyard um, you know, uh, adjacent to that. Where would you expand? I know you have parking behind as you head toward Madison Street, but then – um, people will notice there have been a lot of changes across the street from the convention center um, mm-hmm. with the demolition of some buildings and, and some other things going up, actually. But explain or describe, if you would, just how that would look. Well, um, the expansion would be to the south of the existing building. So it would be behind the courtyard. And we own property all the way uh, south uh, to the edge of that parking lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a really opportunity to interact with the beeline as well with with a new building then um across the street uh is where indigo hotel is looking at that space and that's a hundred and seven room hotel um that um is a new product in the hotel market so everybody's really excited about the indigo it's very edgy and trendy and it it's works perfect with the Bloomington Entertainment Arts District and our cultural. Mm-hmm. I think our Columbus uh, listeners. Yes. There's a an Indigo in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a fun hotel. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Well, let's. I want to bring Denise into the conversation a little bit. We'll talk about funding and the the bill that's going through the legislature in a minute. But mm-hmm. um, Denise, if you could talk a little bit about what um, the convention business means to Bloomington's economic development scene. Sure. Well, um, and. It's, it's extremely important. Do you think about the, the visitors that come to Bloomington? We have uh, 2 million visitors in Bloomington, Monroe County annually, and a lot of them are coming for uh, convention, trade shows. A lot of them are coming to visit their you know, student, uh, their children who are students at IU, um, but they're getting to know the flavor of Bloomington through that effort. And um, the more we can bring people to downtown, the more we are able to, uh, to, to bring to bring them back, I think once you get a flavor for Bloomington, I mean, you want you want to come back and come back and come back. So uh, it's extremely important. And you think about uh, the average convention visitor spending one hundred and twenty to one hundred and seventy dollars a day when they come to visit Bloomington. Uh, so that's a significant impact uh, on the for the restaurants, um, obviously for the hotel business as well, um, and for the retail markets in Bloomington. 
Let me follow up on that because if I'm not a shop owner, if I'm not an inn owner or a restaurateur, why is this a good thing for me as an average citizen? uh, Because, you know, it increases the traffic and we get crabby and why is it a good thing? Sure. Well, uh, Mick and I were talking just this morning about – um, the economic impact of, uh, you know, you're thinking about a food and beverage tax. Um, taxes obviously provide for the services that we are able to to, to provide for our citizens. And uh, when you shop downtown, those those uh, retail merchants are are paying sales tax. They're paying income tax. Um, and obviously, the county option income tax is something that that we're able to recoup in the county, and especially downtown with one of the economic districts that we have, which is a community revitalization enhancement district or a creed. We're able to reinvest those income and sales taxes directly in infrastructure and other projects downtown. So. Uh, that's something that helps us to to provide the amenities that that the average citizen that you're talking about, Mary Catherine, can enjoy. And so, really, kind of improve the the community for those of us who live here all year round. That's right. Yeah. All right. I want to turn to Mick because we want to make sure everybody gets a chance here. <laughs> but Mick, I mean, you've you've brought. We're, this is not exactly for the convention center per se, but you've brought a lot of. Uh, people to Bloomington, uh, you know, the big example in my mind is the, the softball tournaments that go on every summer. So you're going out every year just about or somebody from your department and trying to pitch getting these groups to come to Bloomington. What you know, Again, from your perspective, what's this bring to our community? Well, we actually use the convention center space when we bring the national softball tournaments in town. We have our managers' meetings. We have other functions there. We just had our Indiana State Parks and Recreation Association conference in the convention center. The Beeline Trail will run right behind the convention center. Those things are not all accidental, and uh, there's some opportunity. We we didn't, of course, think 150 years ago when the CSX Rail Corridor was there that eventually it would turn into a trail, but it's a great opportunity that we're capitalizing on. But I'd like to think parks, park amenities, not only create great great quality of life for our local citizenry, but we're an economic generator. Those activities that you've cited, softball tournaments, hockey tournaments, trails, this trail, our nature trails, other amenities that we have, draw people to Bloomington. They come, they stay overnight. Uh, they, They may be involved with a business or a company or an association and say, you know what, Bloomington's a really cool place. I, maybe we should take our state conference meeting to the convention center. And quite frankly, uh, I'm on the Convention and Visitors Bureau board, and, and we have limited product. We're the smallest convention center in the state. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be, um, but we modified and, and, and adopted, you know, and adopted a, an old building and made the best of it. And, and now, 18 years later, we've seen that it's been a successful product. And uh, there's a lot more opportunity, I think, to bring events sport-related, tourism-related, association-related. Talisha and Denise have identified some of those. And and I, too, am a a proponent of expanding the convention center. I think it will help continue to make our downtown uh, a vibrant place to be. All right. Our phone numbers are 855-0811 and 877-285-9348. And you can join the program by going to our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. I want to expand this discussion just a little bit. And, And Denise, you're... You're uh, the person I want to direct this to, but mm-hmm. talk about um, quality of life issues in general and how they relate to economic development when you're going out trying to get a new company to come to Bloomington. Is that a factor? 
It is a factor. I think it's it's one of the key factors. When you're a company um, looking for a new place to uh, to locate your business, or if you're a company that's on the verge of expanding and you want to you know consider your own community or others, um, you're thinking about: Am I going to be able to attract the employees that I need? Which means: Are they going to are they going to relocate their families? Are they going to find schools? Are they going to find you know after school and after work activities that that make them grow as a family and become part of the community? Um, you're you're looking at at making sure that you have the workforce, not only the talent and skill that you need, but um, you know the people that are going to fit within your corporation and your in your business. Um, so quality of life is key to attracting a business and retaining a business. Mm-hmm. I can think of more than one company that chose to be here just because of that. It was Absolutely. Bloomington first and then can we make the rest of it work? That's and, right. and so that's that's a pretty common exactly. thing to have happen around here, mm-hmm. which I think is fairly unique. I'd yeah. like to think you have to have a place that allows people the the opportunity to live, work and play in a place that they, they want to do all three of those things, not mm-hmm. not just one. You really need the, mm-hmm. the composite of the three to make it a very attractive place to attract business and attract top-of-the-line kind of people that you want to, to to live and work and play in your community. And I think the younger decision-makers look at that whole picture more than ever before, That's that right. they want to live where they recreate because everybody's short on time and they don't have time to you know take a two-week vacation. They need to be able to recreate where they – Recreate in place, I guess, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. We have a fo- couple of phone calls, Great. so let's go to Norma first. Norma? Hi. I'm glad to hear this coverage today because I've been concerned about Peggy Welch's bill. I have voted for her many years, but even though this would help our overall economy in Bloomington, restaurants and other businesses downtown, that extra penny or whatever it is on the restaurant tax will hurt so many people who will then feel they cannot afford to go out to eat in Bloomington, which is a great joy. Thank you. All right. Norma, let's, uh, let's review what this bill is. This, uh, Peggy is carrying a bill. It's, it, what it, it's, Felicia, why don't you explain it? Yes. It is uh, 1%, so it would be a penny on each dollar. And uh, it would not go into effect till after January 1st, 2010. Um, it would be on those that pay the gross sales tax now on prepared food. Um, it's not grocery items. Um, and if a group is exempt from paying that sales tax, they would be exempt on this as well. There would be a restaurant advisory board that um, helps guide the goals of the tax uh, with the expansion of a convention center and if some of it's used for other tourism-type projects um, so that there's um, input on that. But with the whole goal of bringing more business in um, to offset that tax um, for the restaurants, but then also so we can bring more business in so that we have these restaurants here that um, people can go to when, you know, they they want to go. Um, So that's the other part is, you know, Bloomington's continuing to grow in population. Um, Other communities surrounding Bloomington have a food and beverage tax. Nashville, Indiana has one. Uh, It helps pay for public restrooms in their downtown. Um, Martinsville has the tax. There are 29 communities that have this. Um, What we've tried to do is match the the source of the funds with the use of the funds, that these are both hospitality industries and uh, with the goal of um, developing it further and long-term 
vision. And this yeah. isn't a new idea. People have been doing this for a long time. It's been, in fact, discussed in Bloomington for a very long time. Yes, it has. And it's very difficult. And um, we really appreciate Peggy being willing to sponsor this for us. It's, it's a tough thing. And we understand that. Um, I think, well, just another point to, to make to Norma and anybody who <clears throat> either favors or opposes this tax is that um, the bill would enable local policymakers to then vote on the Yes, the that's a good point. This mm-hmm. is just we can't talk about it here locally until we have the enabling legislation. Right. So that would be would it, that be that's the county? That's what she is doing, yeah. The county council then yes, who are locally elected as well yes. would, would get a chance to vote on it. So, so it's the first of a couple of hurdles. That's right. right. Yeah. So it goes um, from the House to the Senate then comes local to Monroe County. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, we have another phone call, and it's Louise. Louise? Hello. Hi. Yeah, I understand the impact of conventions on economic development and all their importance and that kind of stuff. So I go along with you on that. But the real thing I don't understand about this is what size groups are you interested in attracting? I mean, the Transportation Research Board has a convention in D.C. that attracts 12,000 people. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if that's the size group you're interested in, that's, that's kind of interesting. But I'm afraid that you're going to build a kind of giant cavernous building that's going to be empty three-quarters of the time. Certainly, we see lots of cities in Indiana that have built convention centers that are much too large and just become liabilities in the downtown area because they're empty. And we're very cognizant of that. I think what we're looking for is just going to the next step, an incremental next step of groups. Right now, we have about 175 people to 200 that can fit in the building and do breakout rooms. We would jump up to probably that 350 to 400 mark. So it's doubling the size of the current building, a um, little bit over double. Um, right now, the whole total building is 40,000 square feet. We would jump up to about 100,000 square feet. Okay, so, so it fit on the size of space. If you go and you see the the parking lots that are there now, it would fit into that space. And as a okay, basis, that's, of com- re- that's really helpful, actually. Thanks. Okay. Okay. Just as a basis of comparison, Indianapolis is building a million square feet, <laughs> and of course, we wouldn't. You know, you, you find your niche in the marketplace, mm-hmm. and, and Bloomington is not going to ever want to build a million square feet of convention space. And and so there are some pieces of business that that uh, the, the locally we would never go after those large conferences. We don't have the hotel or infrastructure and other ways to do it, and so it doesn't make sense. Right. Well, I think that's a great point from Louise to call, a mm-hmm. great question for her to ask because, you know, Indianapolis is just trying to get a Super Bowl. Well, mm-hmm. Bloomington's not going to ever bid on a Super Bowl, but Mick, when you go out and bid on softball events, is there a particular size of event that Bloomington can handle now that – you know, you might be able to get a few more if there are a couple more hotels in a convention center. Absolutely. We, we, those are good examples. We've pretty much filled the hotels in the summer at a downtime when they're not full with these softball tournaments. Mm-hmm. And we know, limit, limited by our uh, physical infrastructure, the number of fields we have, what we can bid on. And when you get over 80 teams in these national tournaments, they both fill our fields and they also fill our hotels. So we, we've found our niche in the market and we don't go after tournaments that are larger than that that would tax or create a hardship for uh, not having accessible facilities. And I'm thinking of um, several other things that happen in Bloomington over the course of the year. Lotus comes to mind, you know, right right in the right away that are kind of poised to 
grow but are limited because of, of growth, you know, places to grow and opportunities for people to stay. So I can see how existing things would then be allowed to, to as you say, go to that next step. Right. And some of them are local and some of them are out of town groups. We have the Alliance of Indiana Rural Water that's been coming for years, mm-hmm. but they're growing steadily each year. Um, the Bloomington Hospital Gala, we, we do provide a civic center function mm-hmm. that um, we have 52 groups that are really bursting at the seams and ready to go to the next step. So that's about you know, one a week. Yeah, and I think an important thing to, for for everyone to know too is that the city is on a on the verge of releasing an art space, the results of our art space survey, and and certainly something that we've heard anecdotally over the over the last several years is that we're in need of a, a medium sized sort of auditorium space. And Talisha and mm-hmm. I and others have talked about including that as part of the convention center expansion if we're able to do that. And and it'll be interesting to get the results, um, the analysis of the art space art space survey, and match that up with the with our ability to expand the convention center. Um, Mick, it's it's probably hard, a hard thing to predict because it's not quite ready yet. But what do you think the connection between the beeline and additional convention center space might be? Well, I think there's a great opportunity there. I think that because of the proximity to the beeline right behind the convention center. Can I, can I stop you for a second, Mick? Would you just describe? Because we have a lot of listeners that are way outside of the Bloomington area. Sure. Describe what the beeline trail would is going to be and why they might want to come visit. Excellent point. Uh, The Beeline Trail is a conversion of an abandoned rail corridor that used to serve the downtown businesses of Bloomington, the Showers Brothers Furniture Factory, other industries that as Bloomington developed uh, over its history um, needed a train to bring in product and carry out product. And as that need disappeared and and the West Side Industries uh, were built. The uh, it just was a matter of time before the tracks were no longer necessary and became, quite frankly, a, a deterrent to downtown growth. About um, eight years ago, under the Fernandez administration, there was interest expressed at acquiring the corridor, which is about 3.1 miles. It runs from Country Club to the south to Adam Street to the northwest, and reconverting that into something that could be used for alternative transportation and economic development, and that became the beeline. So we've initiated phase one construction, which goes right behind the convention center, runs parallel to to College Avenue, and uh, the first phase goes from Rogers Street to Second Street. It's about six-tenths of a mile, and we've created what we hope is a corridor that allows people to walk, bike, push baby strollers, use their wheelchairs, rollerblade, up and down the downtown corridor, maybe use it as a way to get to work. I was going to say commute, sure. Absolutely. And when the 3.1 miles are connected, they'll connect to the Bloomington Rail Trail, which is two miles. It runs from Country Club to Church Lane, and then that connects to the Clear Creek Trail, which is 2.4 miles from Church Lane to Tap Road. You'll have a seven-and-a-half-mile corridor that will bring in residential members of our community to the downtown. But more importantly, in the downtown sector, the intent is to make those connections to downtown businesses and to have the backs of these buildings be redeveloped into maybe the fronts. There'll be thousands of people using this trail on a daily basis. And we really, we really do envision that happening because the numbers at the Clear Creek Trail show us that in our rural trail system, we are getting high counts of, of traffic. And so our hope is that that traffic creates business, creates jobs, creates renovation of downtown facades, creates new opportunities for a whole lot of uh, local downtown businesses that can pop up. And the great thing is it's right behind the convention center. So imagine you're coming to a meeting, a convention at the convention center. You walk out 
of your hotel room at the Courtyard Marriott, or you're not too far from it if you're at the Hilton Garden Inn, or walk out of a convention space meeting in the convention center. You're on the Beeline Trail. You walk downtown. You see signs. Go this way to go to Kirkwood. Go this way to see the historic district of downtown Bloomington. A pretty clear connection of opportunity to take tourists and get them out to spend their dollars locally. I think from uh, for you know, we live in Bloomington. I think for people who don't live here, if they haven't been here in six months, even uh, and they come in the spring after the. I mean, you said I think earlier the Beeline is eighty five percent done. That's correct. In that downtown area, it's going to be transformational in mm-hmm. in my view. In that, um, it's a whole it, new ball game. Yeah, it's right. I mean, it's right by um, the Wonder Lab Museum. Mm-hmm. Walks so. People that are coming to visit Wonder Lab can step out and get on the trail and walk wherever they or want. Or start to at the farmer's market That's in right. the morning and then take the kids over to the, the Wonder Lab and just keep going. Well, Mary Krasan has called this the most significant economic development project on his agenda. So I, I think you know it's been carried over from one administration to another and it's been a high priority. And, and I think we all see that it's an investment in and, – and I would like to remind our listeners that uh, most of the funds for the – project and for phase two of the project are grant funds. So their pass-through dollars come from the federal government through the state, their Department of Transportation funds. The DNR gave us a $900,000 grant and we just found out two days ago that the Department of Environmental Management gave us $400,000 for phase two to remediate, which simply means the paved surface is a remediation treatment for phase two of the Beeline Trail, which is under design right now. Mm-hmm. Now, the, on the trail, there will be people on foot, people on Bicycles, I assume. Absolutely. What about mm-hmm. skateboards? I suspect anything horses? with uh, small wheels. No horses. No horses. No horses. Okay. Anything with small wheels, but obviously no uh, automobile traffic, no motorcycle traffic. But uh, but it's very wide. I, I was on the parks board when this was being designed. And it, how wide did it end up being? I can't remember. Six? It's uh, 12 feet wide 12 with feet. pavement, and then there's two-foot shoulders on each side of yeah, crushed okay. stone. And the crushed stone is 16. for those those joggers who don't like the hard asphalt surface but want to jog on something a little softer. So 16 feet in total, and that's consistent with the Clear Creek Trail. Yeah. If Which those I of thought, you are you kidding me? I thought that was crazy. <laughs> but, you know, it's a safety issue. And, and so that really does allow, though, for that kind of, you know, people to peacefully coexist, runners, walkers, people, you know, maybe going a little slower pre- – pushing a stroller, and somebody who's commuting and needs to, you know, get to work. Well, we hope bike. we learn from the Monon Trail, and, and that's a great mm-hmm. model to start with. They, they've and continues to develop out and has generated over a billion dollars of economic development along the Monon. So there, there's our historical reference to what we think can happen on a smaller scale, of course, in Bloomington with the B line. A billion with a B. A billion yes. with a B. And of the Monon investment. The Monon's only eight foot wide, and they're regretting that. They're realizing mm-hmm. that the traffic is so high going two ways in that that it's just too narrow. So we, we tried to learn from that. All right. We're going to have to take a short break. Uh, you're listening to Noon Edition. We're talking about downtown Bloomington's development uh, in a couple of key areas, the, the convention center, which is attempting to expand in the Beeline Trail. Um, just uh, join us after this short break. You're listening to Noon Edition. You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts. Podcasting is a convenient and easy way to download audio files directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. You can download podcasts of full-length programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, 
or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, as well as movie, play, and opera reviews. Find out more by going to our website, WFIU.org. On Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the WFIU News Team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Listen at 8.33 a.m. and 5.45 p.m. every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to catch that day's feature. If you miss one, that's okay. They're archived on our website, WFIU.org, and the best features from each week can be heard Saturday mornings at 7.45. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. And we have uh, three guests today. Mick Renizen is the director of Bloomington De- Department of Parks and Recreation, Monroe County Convention Center Director Talisha Kopik, uh, and Bloomington Director of Economic Development, uh, Denise Alana. We also had Mike McAfee on the phone there briefly, uh, <laughs> who's the director of the Monroe County Convention of Visitors Bureau. And he was a guest on our show just not too long ago. So if you want to join us on the program, you can phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. Or you can join the discussion at our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. I said at the break, you know, I think this is such an exciting topic and I'm so excited. I I can hardly wait for spring and, and, you know, a lot of that for me is just – the beeline opening up. I've I've snuck onto it a couple of times because I work downtown and gosh, it's so convenient. I got you can get a lot done just going up and down the trail and I think that for a visitor coming into town, they're going to be thrilled to to see uh, especially after a couple of years when people really get their buildings um, kind of repositioned as you alluded to Mick and and things are you know are very trail focused it's just such an exciting time and an exciting thing to get to talk about mm-hmm. oh, two points to follow up on one is what is the timeline for opening it and the second one is I want to go back to the billion dollars of economic activity on the Monon trail and just sort of define what that economic activity is but Mick why don't you go with the timeline first sure the uh Current phase is 85% complete and what remains to be done in the spring when the weather warms up and the asphalt plants open is the finished coat of pavement that goes over that 12-foot wide pathway and then, of course, all the landscaping. There's uh, 100 trees were planted. They're already in along the Beeline Corridor. That, that's a, a huge improvement to what mm-hmm. the corridor looked like before. There's a lot of other plant materials that will go in along uh, the asphalt pavement and, of course, there's a lot of public art, some of which is there now and some more that will be coming in future years, and that's another great component of the Beeline Trail. We anticipate the formal dedication of the uh, the new first phase to be right after Memorial Day weekend. Uh, if it's finished before that, and as Mary Catherine's alluded, people are already using it, <laughs> and, and they were using it when there was just gravel down uh, from when we took the ties up. So it, it's been a corridor. It will continue to be a corridor. It will just be a lot easier to use after it's completed and, and we anticipate that to be right after Memorial Day. Okay. And the economic uh, development issue and the billion dollars in, on the Monon Trail, I mean, how do, what kinds of things uh, do you expect and how does that generate uh, economic um, benefit to the community. Sure, absolutely. We we did some research. Um, my department, the Department of Economic and Sustainable Development, along with uh, mixed department in parks, um, looking at the impact of other trails, uh, and we wanted to to provide some information to businesses who are along the trail, so they could sort of know what to expect and know how they might want to alter their business plan or alter their physical presence on the trail. And we did find that Carmel, Indiana, along the Monon Trail, that's that's just in Carmel, that $1 billion of additional private investment. And that's 
new business opening up. That's new property enhancements. That's you know uh, new shopping centers and restaurants. Um, through its route through their downtown, they saw another billion dollars of private investment. Um, we learned that in York County, Pennsylvania, 65 percent of the users of their Heritage Rail Trail, another you know rails to trails project, um, the trail influenced their purchase purchasing decisions for that day. So whatever they saw while they were to going to or from the trail or along the trail, um, they spent some of their money you know on on what they saw. Um, in Maryland, their Northern Central Rail Trail, uh, they estimated their annual economic impact at $3 million. So clearly there are significant business opportunities that uh, those along the trail or those, you know, for visitors who are making their way to downtown Bloomington um, toward the trail can can leverage. And um, we've done some work with the Bloomington Urban Enterprise Association to provide grant money uh, to businesses along the trail who may want to uh, change, Mick alluded to earlier, they may want to reorient their entrances toward the trail or they may want to have some public art opportunities um, or provide some additional amenities to trail trail users. So uh, we've had some great applicants through that process and, and you'll see some significant improvements and, and changes. And, and like Mick said, we hope to see a, a lot of increased business for those folks. We've seen actually a tremendous amount of interest from the businesses within a couple of blocks on either side of the B-Line asking what they can do to help, what can we do, and, and, and both Denise's uh, staff and, and myself and some of the park staff have gone out over the last year and met with business owners, and, and we've got a piece that's about to be unveiled called the Beeline Backers, and it's just in response to the tremendous interest from businesses. How can we help you? Can we help landscape? Can we help adopt a section of the trail to keep it nice and tidy and clean in front of our particular business? Can we invest in the trail so that things you might not be able to afford can be added as amenities. And that's that's really exciting to have that kind of commitment from our businesses. And I think they see the vision and opportunity that the trail creates for their businesses and for Bloomington's downtown in general. It's not that everybody thinks solely of their business and how it's going to positively impact theirs, but they see that a healthy, vibrant downtown is good for the community. You know, I see so much of our downtown is is thanks to Bill and Gail Cook. They've done so many good things for us. And I would think that, and, and Talisha, perhaps you've had an opportunity to, intera- to interact with them at some point or, or anybody here. I would think this would be such nice icing on the cake and, and another um, great result of, of what the ball that they really got rolling no question. And, you know, still CFC, which is a cook enterprise, owns property along the trail. And, and they're, they're as excited about it as we are about the opportunities. And we've certainly had conversations with, about partnering with them on various things. So, All right. We have a phone call. Let's go to Mike on the line. Mike? Yes, I was hoping any of your three brilliant guests might be able <laughs> what to... What about the brilliant co-host, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> might say something about... Um, you know, the, these resources are, you know, the land and everything is already there. We're not trying to change or lose the charm that makes everybody love Bloomington as it is and, and how all this works together and when this all happens, what's in it for citizens and the, and the fact that more money coming, tourists coming in and, and dropping money down there and leaving town, but yet that flows over and allows people, you know, those businesses down there maybe to sponsor the taste of Bloomington and things that citizens can wrap their arms around and better entertainment, better festivals, everything, everything gets better down there. So I'll leave it at that. I know they've got a lot to say about that. All right, Mike. That's Mike McAfee from the Convention and Visitors Bureau. Thanks for calling, Mike. We have another call, and it's uh, Dan this time. Dan? 
Uh, it's Stan, but that's okay. Stan. Uh, Stan I'm, I'm sort of puzzled about people being bothered by a, a 1% addition to what is a luxury expenditure. I, I feel if I go out to eat, that 1%, it, it doesn't involve anything significant. This is disposable income. This isn't, you know, subsistence level. Stan, so you and I, I are going to get along just fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I really think it's, it's, it's not a fair way of looking at this. This isn't increased property tax. This is a disposable income luxury. And I was thinking about it in terms of a, if you have a, a $100 tab, let's say, at a restaurant, it's, it's what, another dollar? It's a dollar. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think if you're out spending $100 at a restaurant, you can probably pop for the extra buck. Sure. So that sort of segues into a, you know, why, why a food and beverage tax? Why, why was that the tax that you chose? Well, um, we'll be using multiple sources of funding to uh, be able to fund this. It'll be a $28 million project with the building and parking. And um, and if you just tuned in, we're talking about the expansion of the convention center. Yes, yes. And um, so it would be a combination of funds. Currently, uh, the convention center receives 2% of the innkeeper's tax, and uh, that would go towards funding a renovation of the current building. Um, But we really want to go to that next step, and in order to have enough funds to expand, um, that's why we needed another source of revenue, and the food and beverage tax ties in with the hospitality industry. We'd also be looking for private sponsorships. Um, Much of what we did the last time, we had, I think, over 22 different private sponsors that participated with the convention center. Um, Operating revenues, um, percentage of revenues from our different supply um, so it's going to be a combination of different types of funds. The innkeeper's tax, which you mentioned, that is a, uh, a what's called a bed tax, right? I mean, it's a tax on hotel yes. rooms. Mm-hmm. And 3% of that goes to the Convention and Visitors Bureau for marketing and bringing groups into town. And then we're the facility, so 2% of it goes for the facility to house. Mm-hmm. But, and I can't think of anywhere that we go that there isn't that tax on our bill when we check out. Well, actually, I was going to comment to the to the audience members who are travelers, look at your motel tax, bed tax, next time you travel, it's mm-hmm. not 5%. If you right. go to Florida, you're probably paying somewhere around 18% when all the taxes are added on transportation taxes, airport taxes, food and beverage taxes, much greater than this one that's being proposed here. That's right. Um, so, you know, there, this is a relatively um, small tax already to support the types of activities that help generate jobs. And I don't have the number, and I wish Mike or caller earlier could say this, but in, I know that tourism generates a significant number of jobs for our community. And mm-hmm. It's 4,000. 4,000. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Delicia. And so this is really an investment. Any of these tax resources are being reinvested to keep jobs here and to create more jobs. And I can see a significant number of more jobs being uh, generated from this. And people say, well, they're not, you know... $20 an hour jobs, but not everybody needs a $20 an hour job or, or is qualified for a $20 an hour job. Right. And it's food suppliers, it's linen suppliers, it's florists, it's DJs, it's decorators, it's electricians, it's contractor heating, cooling. We have a lot of heating, cooling <laughs> jobs <laughs> the past year. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's wait staff, it's marketing mm-hmm. people, managers. So there's a variety, just as any business has a variety of levels of jobs and um, pay scales. You hit on a great point, Mary Catherine, in that, you know, this community has, we need, as any community, to diversify our economy. And mm-hmm. we've, we, 
we're doing a great job at attracting high-wage jobs with the life sciences industry and the technology industry. Uh, but we want to make sure that we've got opportunities for everyone. We need entry-level positions or positions for part-timers or people who don't who don't who don't uh, you know seek sort of that level of schooling or that you know that that investment in schooling, um, and and who you know this could be a start for them into the workforce and a, and a way for them to continue to progress up that ladder. All right, our phone numbers again: eight five five zero eight one one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. And the website address at wfiu.org slash noon edition. You can certainly contact us uh, through that website. <clears throat> Should thank Stan for his uh, previous call. Like we cut him off there in the middle and changed topics. But anyway, <laughs> I want to thank you. Okay, here's an email that came in. It says, is the thing that is taking so many years and millions of dollars to build in downtown Bloomington a trail, quote unquote? At least 10 times the length of actual trails could be built for the cost of that absurd, absurdly overdone construction. Do you want to speak to that, Mick? Well, it's what's unique about the downtown trail versus a trail that might not have the same challenges as going through uh, in this section alone. In six tenths of a mile, we cross over we cross over Third Street with a bridge, but that's already in place because that was part of the rail bridge. We're going to have to cross Seventh, uh, Sixth, Kirkwood, Eighth, uh, and so there's five street Tenth. crossings. Tenth, um, we won't get there yet, but eventually have to go over there. So there's, it's different than a rural trail, and, and there's expenses to modification of and utility re- relocation. And then because of the remediation concerns, there's a higher standard of remediation than if you were just to build a trail in, in, in a location that didn't have those remediation issues. And honestly, there are more amenities on this section of the trail than there will be anywhere else. It's downtown. Mm-hmm. There are more park benches. There's public art. And there's, those were choices. Those were choices. And, and the next phase of the trail will build... Uh, over um, a mile and a quarter for the same cost as it was that it cost to build the first six tenths of a mile, but it's in a different proximity mm-hmm. with different amenities and different. And, and downtown was so important to make the investment to make sure that that investment from the private sector occurred that we had to do it right, and we just didn't want to err on the wrong side of that. And again, I'd remind all of our listeners that um, it, it, it's tax dollars, so it's your dollars. But it's passed through from grants. Eighty percent of this project is being paid for by by grants. Mm-hmm. All right. We, you have another email? I we, do. And we touched on this earlier, but I, I wonder if perhaps we need to boil it down just a little bit more. It says, can you give us one real benefit that average people would get for having to pay more taxes in local restaurants? Denise, do you want to take sure. this one on? Yeah. This – and I, I would uh, re- reiterate Stan's uh, comment. First of all, that if you're you know you're going out to eat and you have maybe a twenty five dollar bill, this is adding another quarter to your to your the, your evening. Um, so it's it's uh, it is another cost. And I understand in a recession, it's hard to it's hard to understand why why that makes sense. Um, but for the average citizen. Uh, who who undoubtedly enjoys those restaurants? Who undoubtedly you know enjoys, for whatever reason, living in the Bloomington community or visiting the Bloomington community? Um, you know, having the convention center to attract the restaurants that we have, to attract the business that attracts the restaurants, um, allows us to uh, have the resources to pave our roads, to to you know improve sidewalks, to have. B lines uh, amenities that we have, such as the B line, um, it, it's, it boils down to I think the, our ability to to be the Bloomington that we we know we are and that we want to continue to be. It, essentially, it will the people who will come in and use the convention facility will be 
paying and supporting businesses that pay other taxes that provide these things that you're talking about. That's right. And that, and that hits on another point too is that a lot of the folks who are going to be paying this tax aren't going to be residents. They're going to be people who are visiting Bloomington. So they're going to help to support the convention center that we build and the additional business that it brings. Okay. We have three phone callers who have lined up. So let's go to Mary first. Mary? Hello, Mary. Are you there? Hi. Yes, I am. Go right ahead. Yes, I'm uh, with Walking Women of Brown County, and uh, I just want to say that we love your trails in town. We mostly walk in the country and in the woods, but we'd like to come over, and we're looking forward to having the bee trail open. We've already got it scheduled to come over in May to walk on it. So I sure hope it's done, and I just want to say um, we bring uh, our money over to Bloomington because, of course, we always have to eat when we come in. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're so my kind of walking women. Thank you for women. doing all these great trails in town. Mary, we can't see, can't wait to see you come over to the trail. We look forward to that. Okay. All right. Thanks, thanks a lot Mary. for the call, Mary. Let's go to Donald next. Donald? Hello. Hello, Donald. I don't guess I don't share the enthusiasm for either the Beeline Trail or the Convention Center. Um, with the nation slotting and went to perhaps the worst recession since the Depression, maybe even the D word might be an appropriate term. I was just listening to your conversation and the jibber-jabber of you all, who I assume don't make minimum work wage jobs in any of the restaurants. Um, so, gee, these are going to be the jobs of Bloomington's future. That's not very encouraging. But, however, let me just kind of ask a silly question to you guys. A few years ago, there was the claim that if we extended the runways at Monroe Airport, the city would boom, we would get conventions out the kazoo, and it was uh, just gibberish, uh, wishful thinking. Um, and I'm thinking if, uh, if for the non-university professorial set, or the ones that work for the different agencies that you guys all represent in the Herald Times, uh, yeah, it might be a little bit of a burden to pay for something that, uh, what is this, state-supported business or business where they have to have their hand out? Um, I, I just really don't buy anything that you've been saying for this last hour. I, I just, I'm just very pessimistic that you're going to the rosy future that you project. I'm a liberal, but I find this gibberish so unreal, so University of Indiana-like thinking that uh, elitist, uh, oh, gee, I love the comment about, oh, it's only 25 cents. Well, you know, if people are losing their jobs, 25 cents might be a little bit more significant today. I really am not impressed with your arguments. All right. Thanks a lot. One thought I had while you were sharing that was that, I mean, a lot of the functions that we do at the convention center are fundraisers for -for not-for-profit organizations. We have the Hoosier Hills Food Bank Soup Bowl coming up, and they're Mm -hmm. busting at the seams as well. Wonder Lab does a fundraiser there. Um, Sycamore Land Trust does a fundraiser. Um, There's several groups that this is how they make a significant portion of their – their revenue for the year uh, by holding events and the way they increase ticket sales is by having more people at their events. So there are a lot of multiple um, facets that are even just civic concerns that aren't necessarily all the conventions coming to town. But I would also say that you know nobody puts a gun to your head that says you have to eat out. So if you don't want to pay a, a 1% tax, eat at home. 
All right. That's, uh, that was – Donald, we do appreciate the call because Bloomington, part of what makes Bloomington great is that, boy, we have a lot of arguments about things. Let's go next to Johnny. Johnny? Yes, I'm here. Thanks. Um, I heard someone say before that the trail was 85 percent done. I was curious when I'll be able to ride my bike from Country Club all the way up to you know, downtown, the Wonder Lab, and that sort of thing. That's a great question. Uh, the first phase will be done this spring. And that's, of course, only the six-tenths of a mile. Phase two is under design, will be bid in the fall of 2009, and construction will start, and we would anticipate completion to be in the spring of 2010. And then phase three, which is the final phase that goes from Grimes to Country Club, is uh, yet to be planned and funded, but it's our hope to follow it on the heels of phase two. So essentially, I think we're looking at about... uh, 2010 or 2011, and then the complete loop will be connected and finished. And we'll continue to apply for grants and and, and try to match those grants with some local city funds to get the, the project completely finished. I, I would like to add in a little bit of a counter to our earlier caller that, uh, and I've not mentioned this, and this is uh, certainly a passion we have in our parks and rec profession. All the Many of the amenities we offer, our parks, our trails are free. I mean, they're paid for by tax dollars, so I, they, they come at a cost, but they're free to use. So we have a tremendous health and obesity problem in our country, and it's, and it's shared in our state. And if, if times are tough and people do need their exercise and they do need recreation more in tough times than ever, you know, we're, I hope people can see the value in providing resources, amenities that you can use for free to take care of those needs. You don't have to pay for a membership to use the trail. You don't have to pay for a membership to use the parks. And those things provide... I believe, very positive health and wellness and mental health and wellness, too, when times are difficult. And, Mick, uh, Donald and others out there might recognize this as a softball, but the idea to build a linear park in downtown Bloomington wasn't exactly just your idea or the idea of elitist. You had a survey about what what parks users wanted in the community. That's a a great point. Thanks for bringing it up, Bob. We we survey our community and ask them what they believe is the most important. This is recreational needs. This isn't, of course, the economic conditions have changed dramatically, too, since these surveys have been conducted. But two years ago and five years ago before that, a statistically valid survey said people walk for pleasure and bike for pleasure. That's the number one form of recreation. And our community said, keep building trails. That's what we want you to do. Now, that's not going to appeal to everybody that listens to the show, but it's what, by and large, was the the most uh, frequent response by all of our survey respondents. And so that's what we're trying to do is meet those those uh, people's requests. Okay. Uh, we only have three or four minutes to go in the program. I do want to mention uh, the bead. And Denise, perhaps you can explain what the bead is and sure. how that fits into economic development. In Absolutely. Downtown. Bead is the Bloomington Entertainment and Arts District. And it's an initiative we launched a couple of years ago at the city. It's now headed up by Maya Michelson in my office. She's the Assistant Director of Economic Development for the Arts. Um, it, it ties in, you know, it's it's uh, encompassed downtown, downtown um, Bloomington. Um, we've always considered the B line as the artery, art, A-R-T-ery of bead. And uh, Mick talked earlier about several art pieces that are there and that will be going in along the trail. Um, but it's really another uh, another important effort of ours to, to sort of 
um, capture what's unique about Bloomington and to promote what's unique about Bloomington uh, with the goal of bringing people to downtown Bloomington to patronize um, the, the establishments that we have and to support the local arts community and to support public participation in the arts. Um, so that's, that's what the Entertainment and Arts District is. Okay. We're going to take another phone call and this is Dennis. Dennis, go ahead. Oh, hi. I was just listening to uh, some of the different conversations, and I was wondering, like, I think some people were concerned about how this is going to give back to the community, not only in, in business and, and creating more businesses, but, but maybe the convention center, like, I think they host the Super Bowl. Well, maybe they could do that for half price. You know, or maybe they're already doing that. Like, in some ways, helping the community... Uh, you know, other than just creating jobs, mm-hmm. giving back in other ways. Right. Okay. Um, well, Thanks, and thank you. Uh, we do actually have a not-for-profit rate and do give a discounted rate to the food bank. But just thinking over the, the last week, this is what's been at the convention center next week, uh, Crane Strategic Planning. They have engineers from all over that are here doing training. Um, we have a church service. We have a Westland classes, have classes there. The Indian Student Association, the Indiana Geographical Information Council, Matrix International, Army National Guard. You know, it's just a real, I mean, this is just like a week (laughs) there of just all the different um, uh, things that our community needs to learn about. And, um, for example, we have trade shows where people bring in uh, the B&B food trade show and they have the restaurant suppliers and the restaurants come there and they do their shopping in one place. And they used to have to go to Indianapolis to do that. Um, So, All right. We are out of time. I want to thank you, Talisha, for our last speaker, Talisha Kopik. I want to thank Mick Renison and Denise Solano. For Mary Catherine Carmichael, producer Ariana Prothero, and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville Telephone Company, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 offering bundled packages, high-speed internet, and wireless phones. Smithville Telephone, local pride, global technology, information at smithville.net.